Hello, and welcome to the Radio Check Podcast, life in the concert touring industry, where we'll be speaking with and interviewing the best talent in the business, taking not only a deep dive into what it takes to put on a world-class show, but also life on the road and sharing experiences that span the globe, highlighting the people that are responsible for making your favorite artists look and sound great. My name is Matt Kanzi, and your host on this podcast is Chris Kanzi, a 40-year veteran in the live music touring industry. Over the years, Chris has traveled the globe several times over and has escalated through the ranks, bringing him to the top of his profession. He has established hundreds, if not thousands, of connections with other industry professionals, artists, and musicians. This podcast is your backstage pass to what happens behind the scenes and on the road when traveling and working with some of the world's top musicians. So sit back and enjoy. Wow. I, I can't believe it. Brother Chris, it's been, what, two weeks since we've seen each other and talked. So we had a little bit of a break there. I know we banged out a couple of It hasn't been that long. It has been a couple of weeks. Oh, so. man. It doesn't, doesn't feel like it. It does not feel like I it. I missed you last week, man. I just, uh, I, I oh, you know, you. that's right. We didn't. We didn't. So how, how are you? What, what's um, going on in I'm Connecticut? Really yeah. And well, had a beautiful holiday weekend. Uh, we just finished up Labor Day. Yesterday was Ryan's 16th birthday. <clears throat> Ryan's 16. Your son. Yeah. So he's my youngest Incredible. and he turned 16 yesterday and they started school today. So lots of excitement wow. going on here in the Connecticut Kansas household. What's the uh, anxiety like for, for in-person school in Connecticut? Oh, I think there's a lot of, we don't have it. You know, it's not, we don't have anxiety here, but as a as a, as a town, as a you know, society, there is a high level. Apparently there is this um, incoming senior um, kind of annual tradition that incoming seniors go out on this uh, big uh, scavenger hunt. And uh-huh. apparently uh, like 40 kids from the high school two weeks ago got together for the scavenger hunt and they took all these pictures and put it on social media and they're all arm in arm, no masks and the town kind of freaked and um, you know, slowed things down for the opening of school. Um, I think that they uh, they delayed some of the things that they were supposed to unfold, but because of this potential, you know, contamination, you know, situation, they uh, it kind of freaked out, which, you know, so it kind of gives you a sense that, yeah, it, you know, tension can be a little high for some people, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. you know, in general, it's the, same, it's the same down here, you know, it's, you know, the, the wear a mask, don't wear a mask, you know, politics are, they're everywhere. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's no but, negative. I mean, everybody's wearing a mask where they should, and there's nobody complaining or arguing about it. Um, good. But, you know, anyway, but, good. but Hey, um, I, I want to be respectful of our guest because is as wonderful as this is for me at, at five o'clock in the afternoon, I believe that it's about uh, a little after uh, 11 PM for this guy. So uh, why don't you uh, introduce our guest and uh, we'll get into it. Yeah, we've got, uh, somebody that I've known for quite a while. Um, he owns a company that I think I've been using eh, close to the inception of the company. Um, it's uh, Mr. Jorg Philippe from uh, just outside of Innsbruck, Austria on the line with us. Uh, he is with Beat the Street Buses, uh, who if you're in this industry, you know Beat the Street, you know the big black double-deckers. Um, he's um, agreed to join us and tell him a little bit about himself and his history. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually excited. I, 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 I know a little bit about him, but uh, you know what? I don't think that, uh, you know, I know a lot of the interesting little details, which hopefully he'll, he'll spit out to us. So, Jurg, how are you, man? I'm very well. Thank you very much. Quite excited. Yeah, yeah good. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. You know, this is, this is, 
you know, when, when I've, you know, the inception of these podcasts, I made a little list of, for myself of, of people I wanted to talk to. And, and you were on the first draft of, uh, of my list because, you know, I think it's, you know, what you do is incredibly interesting. You know, I've watched the rise of your company. You know, uh, I, I, I've, I've, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just been incredible, you know, and uh, uh, everybody knows the service you offer and the passion you have for, uh, for what you do. Um, so, yeah. Beat the street buses, man. You know, the, the, <laughs> the, the big black streaking vehicle going down the road. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, what, what's interesting, you know, pardon me, what interests me is uh, kind of the early days. Because I, I think we've known each other since, oh, was it late 90s, maybe mid, mid, 90s, mid 90s when I started using your Perfect buses? Perfect circle. Yeah. Perfect circle. That perfect circle was 2004. No, it was so. early in that. Must have been 96. Yeah. 97. Uh, well, oh, whatever it was. And I, I, I certainly remember the buses because, you know, early before, you know, Beat the Street, we were, you know, on the Wharfdales and, you know, and, and, and you know, those old primitive buses. And, and you guys have actually taken it to a new level, you know, of, uh, of service and uh, equipment qualities. So, Okay, Beat the Street started 30-ish years ago. Is that about right? Yeah, we have in 2022, we have our 30th anniversary. Oh, yes. Okay, so 28-ish yeah. years. So yeah. tell me about, you know, the inception. Tell me about some of those early days and, and well, you know, the, how you came about The early days it. really is, I'm, I was always fascinated by, by music and by live music. So, and I grew up in Innsbruck and I, when I went to school. <clears throat> I was working as a stage and, and it was, I was really excited. I was a proud stage and then there was nothing cooler than the trucks roaring in at six o'clock in the morning and you get goosebumps unloading them and, and you work all day and then uh, the lights go off. That's just a feeling we all know. And it's the feeling yeah. that made us get into this. Love that. So, one. so I was a stage and in school, I finished school. Um, Went to university, but more more to get out of the military because uh, right. you could postpone the military when you go to university. Tried to be a rock star for about half a year, didn't work. Um, then I started to promote shows, small shows from bands that I liked, but unfortunately not many other people liked them. So, so that... That didn't work. You're, you're a metal um, guy, right? From the early days? Yeah, I'm a rock guy. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I lost the money, lost a lot of money that I didn't have anyway, you know, just finished school. Um, and I started to work as a promoter rep uh, for smaller bands. So that's how I met Modest Finest from Atlanta. Uh, right. I promoted rep George Clinton's P Funk with nice 40 guys, a uh, whole new world to me. And um, then I was in charge for a, cool, a 10 days run with Cool and the Gang in Italy. And it was in the middle of the summer, and there weren't that many buses around back then. And there were a few in Germany, but they were nothing like the buses we know now. So they were basically. Uh, seated buses where they took the seats out and screwed a few metal bars in and put mattresses in. So we needed two buses for Cool and the Gang 10 days Italian run and couldn't get anywhere any and not in Germany. So we found some in, in Britain and it cost the promoter more, almost more to bring him over and back from Britain than in the actual tour. 
So I thought, that's the way to go. <laughs> I need to get some buses. But as I said, I had no money. I had less than no money and no idea about buses. <clears throat> uh, so the public school buses, and school buses look different in Europe than, than in the US. They're not your obvious school bus. Um, and that was in, in our area in Innsbruck, where I'm from, that's a, that's, that's key resorts all around. So they, they need ski buses in the winter season. And then after the winter season, they sell the beat up ski buses quite cheap. So that, that's, this is where I saw my opportunity <laughs> to get a beat up, uh, ski bus. <clears throat> and that's what we did. And so, um, I bought this ski bus really cheap and, and showed up at the, uh, at the MOT place to, to tell me where to start. Well, what do I need to do to make it up and, and make it road, uh, roadworthy again and, and pass all the, the laws that needed to be passed. And everybody just said, look, you need to get rid of this thing. It's, you'd never get it. <laughs> but that's obviously not the answer I wanted to hear. So I was looking for a garage to help me fix this thing, but nobody was interested. And then I, then I found a guy who said, look, I can't really tell you how much it's going to be, but I can offer you that you bring some money. I start to work. Once your money's gone, I stop working. You bring me new money. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. That's how it worked. It took about six months. And then, um, and I'm not really good with my hands. You know, I'm not a crafts guy. Um, but, uh, my friend was, so we kitted it, we, uh, fitted the bus ourselves, the interior, we did the interior ourselves. What did you and, base, uh, what did you base that upon? Did you, you know, did you have, did you see some of the buses coming yeah, out of we the UK saw, at the time? Did you know, you, all did we you... knew back then was the, the British buses from back then. So, you know, uh, you know, they were carpeted, everything was carpeted, like, you know, this in England, you know, people in their houses still have carpet everywhere, you know? Right. So we thought a tour bus that looks carpeted. So the bunks are carpeted, moquette everywhere, completely different from what we know now and completely right. different from, so all the Americans were, were whining and crying, getting on your buses anyway back then. And uh, They're still yeah, whining and crying to see, with, you know? We started off with New York hardcore stuff. Uh, that was our first clients. You know, we sometimes had more people on the bus than at the shows, but it was fun. <laughs> you know, we had, we had the time of our lives. We broke down, you know, if, if we didn't break down on one day, it was a fabulous day. Wow. But so this is just one bus. This is just this the one bus. This was one bus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you, and you were able to keep it working. Yeah. Yeah. We found work, you know, we had this, this agency in Germany and they, they were sort of specializing on hardcore and, um, we had smaller stuff with three bands teamed up and got on a 12 berth bus with the backline on the corridor, 18 people. Uh, some were lucky to have a bunk. The others were crashing out in the lounge and the remainers had to go with sleeping bags on top of the backline in the corridor. Oh no. But it was great. It was and fun. Where, and you know? where did you find drivers in those days? Were they, were they well, we were all mates. Yeah, no, we were all mates, you know, yeah. and we enjoyed the lifestyle. And no, we, we weren't struggling for drivers, but we were all crazy. We were obviously nuts. There was no, no rules and regulations as we know them now. Right. We would just yell. And our loadings were six o'clock in the evening. 
you know, and, oh, and then the promoter showed up at maybe 6.30 <laughs> wow. uh, with half a cold pizza. And uh, we did the show, 20 kids showed up, uh, three bands played. It was great. We were happy, so, you know, so, it was more. So you, were, uh, so you were able to work that one bus until you can parlay some money and then you invested in a second and then a third and... Yeah, well, we, you know, back then there was, the, the bands didn't have the money um they made it on the road hopefully <laughs> with merch and some of the fees and they paid us in cash and we needed that cash obviously to fill up and buy the fuel so we were living from day to day the bands did and so did we right um, yeah but luckily i mean we went into debts you know we you know when the bus broke down and needed heavier repairs and stuff like this we, we well you know we had no families then we had no we were only responsible for ourselves. That, yeah. that was it. So you can do stuff like this. Well, how long did you run with just the one bus? A year. And then after the next ski season, there was another beat up bus to have cheap. <laughs> so that, that was until we went to five buses. It was all ex, ex beat up ski buses. Right. And who, was the, who made those buses? Well, they weren't Van Hools, obviously. I mean, what, what kind no, of buses? No, no, no. They were MANs. And, and okay. Steyr's, Austrian makes, with okay. Swiss engines. So going north of Frankfurt, no mechanic was, was able to help you. No, of course. Yeah. Shaking their heads and, and ran away. So, but we, you know, this is how we learned to deal with buses. You know, breakdowns, obviously you had no cell phones at this time. We all had different currencies in every country. So when you broke down in Finland uh, at four o'clock in the morning, there was nobody to call because you didn't have a cell phone, you were lucky to have some coins from local currency and just guessed where the next uh, phone booth would be and then phone an emergency number and wait a couple of hours. Uh, so you, you tried to figure it out yourself and, oh. and, and it worked loads of times. And the Did bands ever... were cool because, you know, we had all the time in the world. We only needed to be there at six o'clock in the evening. Yeah, it was that punk rock mentality, that hardcore mentality. Absolutely. It, oh, it, yeah. just, it was on stage and off stage, you know. It was, Absolutely. It was a yeah, lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Did, you, did you ever drive yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I drive the first bus, second bus, third bus. We were on the road, you know, as, as many times as you took. And then when we went to five buses, um, yeah, it was already 300 days a year on the road. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so, so you're, 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 when's the first time you said, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to buy another ski bus. I'm, I'm ready to make an investment in a, in a new bus or, 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 or was a van, was it a Van Hool? Was that your first real purchase? No, no, or, no. You know? See in Europe, the double deck is the best bus you can get for money is a Cetra, which is a part of Mercedes Benz. It was purchased yeah. by Mercedes Benz. So, so when we started to do the first festivals, obviously with the bands that are on at 10 o'clock in the morning, yeah, you know, we, we ran into the bus parking lot and, and you had your British companies there like Wolfdales and, and, and Phoenix already existed, Lenrides, and we just so badly wanted to be accepted as, as, as a bus company yeah. too with our old school buses, but hell no, you know, drivers wouldn't even look at us. <laughs> and... Um, so now we needed to have a Cetra, you know, that was our aim. At some point we need to have a Cetra. But, and then work got around from our local garage, people knew people that knew people. And all of a sudden there was a, a Cetra to have, which was 18 years old already, partly converted because the local Umtada band used it. 
but they did, they did damage to the roof and, and the engine was fucked. Exactly what we needed, <laughs> you know, exactly what we could afford, really. So, uh, yeah, we purchased this one. And with the, the help of the local garage, we, you know, we were really lucky because we met cool people along the way. And yeah. they had the same spirit, you know, the local mechanic, you know, we had a ball and he just helped us wherever he could. And yeah, and then we had this first Cetra. And there we go. We got sick of it all as our client. Sick of it all. You know, the right. almighty sick of it all for us back then, you know, the heroes of the hardcore scene. Yeah. So, um, and that was cool. So we, we had this Cetra. And it was, that was the first purely black bus. You know, the others partly had the colors from what they had before and the obvious two two happy colors we painted black but if if mm. there was some purple in there or some brown stuff we left it on just to save a full paint job you know save right. the money for a full paint job was was the company called beat the street from the beginning yes yeah it was from okay. the beginning yeah yeah okay so okay so you've got six-ish buses you got five ski buses and, and etc yeah um, and the pride of the fleet and then you Obviously, you, you were going to invest more money. You're going to get more buses. Yeah. How long did the ski buses last? How, when, when did you ski start buses were gone. They were gone in hmm, 95, 95, okay, so, 96. So three years, three, four years in, ski buses are gone. Yeah. We, we then purchased a vehicle which a guy built that wanted to do surf holidays. You know, pick up surfers, drive him, drive him to the shore somewhere and... It was a weird bus because it was a single decker, but two thirds of it were sort of doubled up into a second floor and had its its individual rooms. And it was painted in in pink, yellow, and light blue. Exactly what we didn't need. Right? <laughs> hardcore. Yeah, it, it was far away from hardcore or anything. That was, was softcore. <laughs> yeah. So we we purchased this bus, did the interior twisted the interior as much as we could do to make it sort of road worthwhile for a band that it worked for a band. And then we got a job. So <laughs> we got a job for the Swedish band Tiamat and they got the job supporting black Sabbath. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, wow. Um, so we showed up, we didn't have the money to, to paint it black. So we thought, ah, you know, we're going to do the first couple of tours in this original colors. So we showed up on a Black Sabbath tour with a light blue, yellow, and pink, weird-looking one-and-a-half decker. And we were called immediately, he got the nickname, the Fisher-Price bus. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, everybody was just laughing and, and just took the piss at us the whole tour, really. But it was were, great. Were, were you allowed to park it in the immediate backstage well, area? Well, we did because <laughs> they were a support band and they probably paid a lot of money to be on the tour. Right. <laughs> they maybe have been, have been charged extras to park a Fisher Price bus, but I don't know. Hmm. No, it was a great tour. It was a great tour. We met loads of future clients on this tour, you know, production yep. manager back then, tour manager back then. Yeah. Uh, of Black Sabbath. They're all clients now. Um. Then we finally had the money to paint this bus black, and then it was uh, was called the submarine in the industry. But it didn't last long because it was far too heavy for the brakes and everything. So we had this maybe two years. But every money that came in, we invested back into Cetras. And then eventually, 98, 
we we could purchase still secondhand, still still off the the tourist market, uh, but proper current model Satra double deckers. Okay, so we, did, we, we bought single deckers in between of Satras. Uh, then Pan, we got a Pantera run, which and we had no idea about American buses back then, you know. So we thought, wow, every bus that we built at the time was the pride of the fleet. So Pantera got our newest bus, and we thought they just they would of just course. love it. <clears throat> and of course, they didn't love it. <laughs> but but uh, no, we, we got in the right they direction. They probably did some and, damage to it. <laughs> well, no, they were actually quite cool, you know, and. Uh, they could do what they wanted. They were Pantera and we thought they were cool and they were cool, you know? <laughs> so eventually we were sick and we were sick of moaning and crying of, of Americans about our, our buses, especially and European buses in general. So we decided to take a trip to America and have a look at their buses. So we see what they, what they talk about. So a couple of carpenters and an electrician upholstery guy that did our stuff. We flew over in January, rented a Cruise America van and um, started off in Kissimmee, Kissimmee, Florida. Yeah, yeah. Had, had a look around their buses, um, the Cahoon Brothers, the world, worldwide famous Cahoon Brothers. Oh, yeah. Then uh, we uh, went up to Birmingham, Alabama, and there was a Vulcan coach. They were builders bus builders but they were building for senators back then okay makes sense and and now it made it all made sense to us because we were just we couldn't close our mouth you know everywhere we went we saw this for us just gorgeous spaceships yeah. you know and what were you uh, looking at then were you looking at eagles or, or yeah it was eagles prebos already some mcis yeah. were going you know and for us europeans even the the outside appearance from American buses back then with the stainless uh, and and chrome everywhere. It was just yeah. it was really flash. So we well, you know, back in those days, you know, especially if you were in Florida, you know, the Calhoun brothers, you know, they have the beach scenes on the side of the bus. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. They yeah, were yeah. really we saw, awful. We saw some real redneck buses too, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but we were really impressed. We were, yeah. and you know, we were totally excited on one hand, and then a bit depressed flying back because it was just we just thought, well. We'll never get yeah. there. Yeah. I, then, I don't know if it was uh, the, the early days, you know, those, those Eagle buses. Um, I don't know what to say, but, you know, those Model 15s, man, could you sleep well on those? It was, mm. you know, I mean, a lot of those buses, the air conditioners were on the roof and they leaked. So the hallway carpet was always wet, you know. But at least um, you had air conditioning. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, the, uh, man, anybody listening, who was who was touring in the early to mid '90s and remembers the Model 15? Man, what a ride! What a ride! You know, love those. Love those. Yeah, so we got to see all those, you know, and we only knew them from from just, you know, telling stories from American crews and American bands that we had. Okay, so around 2000, turn of the century, how many buses do you have in 2000, and where, where, where are you at 20 years ago? Well. We're now at 100 buses in the UK and Europe, and we're at 25 buses in the US at the moment. Um, we, you know, coming back from America, we really wanted to build a bus that's as American as possible. We, we weren't allowed to have doors yet from the authorities. Um, we're going so we from the driver's area 
through the lounges and, and, the, and the bunk area, you mean? Yeah, there was, yeah. There was curtains. There was curtains for you. Yeah, there was curtains, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you just didn't get permission from the authorities. Yeah. Um, you know, back then, you, you could do stuff. You, could, you were not allowed to do stuff, but you could do stuff, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, of course. You know, we, we built the bus with curtains, and then, you know, eventually, after a year, we just put doors in, stuff like this. Um, which obviously in, in today's society, you wouldn't be able to do it anymore because liability and, and, and all that stuff. Um, yeah. And then we got hired in by a British company who were the market leaders back then Phoenix. Right. Uh, they hired us in when they needed, um, help when they were overbooked or, or some of that clients was desperately looking for a, an additional bus or so we got little bits and pieces from them and we were so excited and, and we just wanted to do the best ever jobs for them to prove ourselves and to prove ourselves to their clients. So they would eventually request us back. Yeah. And it was, uh, <clears throat> it was a slow, slow process, but it worked. You know, we, we picked up our own clients along the way. Um, oh, my all time heroes, deep purple, for example. Nice. And, uh, uh, a key a key uh, situation was when we were subbed in on a share tour where Jake Berry uh, was the production manager. We were subbed in as one of the crew buses, one out of 10 or something. Um, and Cher had another company from Germany for the band buses and her bus. <clears throat> and two days into the tour, she decided she hated her bus and all the crew buses need, needed to be lined up. And so she could have a look through and she did have a look through and pick ours. Um, and we got the call if we would have a bus of that interior where we could put a star bed in and, uh, and yeah, you say, yes, of course. And then figure it out later. And that's, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what we did. So, um, and I, I was lucky. I just finished a tour with a sister bus of that in Vienna, which is just around the corner from our shop. And um, it took us two days and two nights uh, to convert that into with a star bed. Mm -hmm. And uh, get the hacksaw we, out. Sorry? Get the hacksaw out and just make yeah, it fit. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we, we drove it to Paris and, and, and took over. And, you know, we were n never ever before we were anywhere close to an artist like this, you know? So. Yeah, we, had, we were just shitting ourselves and um and you know back then you had no sat nav navigations you you were reading maps so right when we arrived i said uh i want i need to walk out the venue uh and and you know the bercy the big big place course, in paris yeah. Yeah. so you need to you leave go over the bridge and then go on to the great peripherique which is the ring road and then you know from there you you get anywhere from there so I just wanted to walk so I know exactly where to go, you know, not get lost in the first five minutes. So you were driving? I, I was driving, yeah. And, and Klaus, who's now in the office as well, was uh, my co-driver and he was reading the map. So we said, okay, I drive the first and you read the map. Yeah, brilliant, okay. So there we are. We couldn't sleep anyway because we were so nervous. And then we were told she was going to do a runner and you need to position a coach next to the stage. And she, we just saw in the mirrors... Uh, security, you know, back door open. She comes in with a Egyptian style costume, 
security goes thumbs up, close the door, and, and we drive out. You know, and I, I knew exactly where to go because I walked it off this afternoon. There you go, over the bridge, turn to the periphery, closed. Roadworks. Oh, that was it. Yeah, I, I, I was, I felt like crying. You know, I did. and so we just, of course, first. What, what do you do as a driver? If you get lost, you just carry on driving. Otherwise, everybody figures it out in a minute that you're, yeah, that you you're lost. So we were driving around Paris for quite a while and, and thought, fuck, you know. You just we, can't make too many right turns in a row. You know, you need yeah, to yeah, mix yeah, it up yeah, and yeah, throw yeah. a left in there before people start getting suspicious. So we just thought we need to, you know, we better find our way quick because otherwise if the, the, the band buses beat us to the hotel, we're off the tour quicker than we've been on it. <laughs> right. But luckily, luckily we've, we found our way through and, uh, you know, and dropped her off somewhere in Germany uh, for a day off. And we needed a day off because we just slept all the way through till the next day where we picked her up in the afternoon. And everything was great and it worked well. And that's the tour we met Jake Berry on, who's now not only uh, a very, very loyal client since then, but also became a friend. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that, that's, 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 that's a great little story there, you know, and, yep. and you yeah, know, maybe, I, I, maybe, maybe you consider that, you know, your one of your, one of the moments where your the company got launched. But, uh, oh yeah. That definitely know. one of, one of those moments that you'll never forget. And just, I get cold sweats just telling the story. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you guys, uh, I mean, your interiors are just fantastic. I mean, where, where, where you've taken the bus now, um, I prefer your buses to American buses, you know, uh, Thank you. and, and it, it's, it was, it was a great story earlier in the year when, when, you know, you were bringing buses or you have buses in America. I, I had mm. six of your buses scheduled for this right now. I'm supposed Absolutely. to be on one of your buses in the you United States right now. You buses now, yes. But, but that's, that's not the case. Um, but yeah, you've got a lot to be proud of and with your, your design team. I don't know if it's you or your, your team or one person, um, I saw a Maynard Starbus, Maynard from Tool Starbus last summer uh, at Rock'em Ring or Rock'em Park, one or the other. And that, is, that was the nicest bus I think I've ever seen. You know, the way you, you separated the upstairs lounge mm -hmm. from the upstairs back, there was a separation. Uh, the downstairs, I mean, man, what a beautiful bus. Thank uh, you. I mean, is that, who's, who's, uh, who, who? Who designs? I mean, is it a team? Is it you? Is it one person? Tell, tell me about how you, you design your buses now. Well, it's <clears throat> a lot of input comes from the drivers. A lot of input comes from the drivers. Um, I've been off the road uh, a long time now. You know, I go out double driving eventually for a couple of days and stuff. But look, the drivers, in they have contact with the clients. They hear what the client complains about. They hear what the client thinks is great. Um, in, in Europe, even more as the drivers live on the buses versus, um, America, um, then about 80% of our carpenters do have the bus license. And okay. in the summertime at the festival season, we stop building for two months and the carpenters go out as team drivers for long distances. So they spend time on the buses that they actually build. They spend time uh, okay. with the client and they spend time with the driver who lives in it all year. Do they, do they walk so, around the bus and uh, looking for squeaks? 
or or bump their heads or or see the 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 the, the AC vents blow directly onto your head or yeah, yeah, yeah. they're positioned wrong. Little things, but they make all the difference. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's a, squeak, a, it's a, a squeak team can be effort. awful. I mean, it doesn't matter how nice the bus is if there's a squeak. I mean, yeah, is everybody oh yeah, listening me who's been in a bunk with a squeak? I, I'm it's totally just, with you. It's just yeah. insane. You know, it will, it will, it will, it's like uh, water torture of some sort. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> you know, but, no, it's uh, a total team effort. And you mentioned Maynard Starbus. That's actually an idea that, that the driver of this bus, Chris Howlett, who's been with us for donkey's years, he came up with that idea. And then, you know, he sends you a little drawing and then you take it down to the carpenters, you mess around with it, you, you, you exchange ideas and then and then product like the, like this comes out and and yeah uh, we do have uh, twins of that vehicle and and every every artist so far has commented on it that it's just really nice yeah N- nicest bus i've ever seen uh, thank you hands down. Much, Chris. Hands, thank down. You. hands down get a band <laughs> <laughs> well, Maynard, let me, he let me on. I took a look at it. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. okay. So you, you, uh, you're in the UK now. You, you, uh, is a talk about Phoenix coach. Um, mm-hmm. that was a straight up purchase. You guys beat the street purchased or is it a, a partnership <clears throat> yes, was, or tell me, tell me about Phoenix coach. As I, as I said earlier, we were hired in by Phoenix. They were the absolute market leaders at the time. Yeah. And their setup was quite unique because the actual owner of the buses, it all started, the founders of Phoenix, there was, I think, seven directors back then. They went to a regular tourist seated bus company and said, look, we have this idea. We've been working for another company called Land Rides before, but they went yep. bust. Um, but we don't have the money. So invest in a couple of buses. Do the interiors like we tell you let us run the buses, let us drive the buses, we bring you the rock and roll business. And that seated bus company listened and it was um, their probably wisest decision ever. And this is how Phoenix started. And uh, <clears throat> so for, for a time they had um, sleeper buses and the seated bus side was running and operating as well. But then the seated bus market went down and it was only the rock and roll buses. Um, and the, so the owner had nothing to do with the day-to-day rock and roll business and the directors of Phoenix, who were those ex drivers that came and, and founded Phoenix, they were running that side. <clears throat> and there was, there was differences of opinions between the actual owner and the guys that were running Phoenix and were the face of Phoenix. Uh, and then the uh, the owner had some health issues and was advised by his doctor that he he needs to retire. He can't deal with the day to day, you know, excitements, negative and positive. Uh, otherwise, uh, his health would seriously suffer. And then they came, and, and we we worked together very closely since those first few jobs. We've been hired in a lot by Phoenix. Eventually, we had tours. We then got bigger American tours, and we hired in Phoenix. Then we were we were a competition, but we were we hated each other for a few months. Then we loved each other for a few months. Then we hated each other again. But you know, the basic love never never went away. Basically, yeah. and it was it was just yeah, it was clear that it was us that needed 
needed to purchase, needed to go in. Did, they, did they reach out to you and say, hey? Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, they, they reached out to us and said, yeah, that the, the owner wants to sell the business. <clears throat> and he was, I mean, we were, we were surprised. He came out of the blue. It was never an option for us. We never even thought something like this would happen. Yeah. Um, so the first negotiations, we, we just couldn't afford the money that they asked for. We, and we had to turn it down. We had to turn it down. And, um, and then everything went quiet. Business went on as usual. And, and a year later, they said, uh, well, let's sit around the table again. And, and we found a solution. And, and there we were. Then everything went quick. And we, we, we purchased Phoenix. Yeah. But we left it as Phoenix because I... <clears throat> You know, you can't you can't just be uh, an Austrian and 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 buy and purchase a big traditional uh, sleeper bus rock and roll company out of the UK and and ram in the Austrian flag and say this is now this is how <laughs> yeah, we course. do it. You don't do that. So I wanted um, I wanted to keep it Phoenix. I want them to to still have a home as Phoenix. And, and it works great. You know, it's great. We, we, um, we compete or the, our carpenters compete against each other in a friendly way, you know, so, so Phoenix carpenters and upholstery guys come up with new ideas and, and do stuff. And we go, wow, shit, we nice. better, better get you our need, act together. And you need that. You need that. Yeah. You need that. And it's, uh, no, it's great. It's great. It, it, it took a couple of years to change a few things. You know, not everybody was exactly happy. Uh, from uh, from the staff, so we had, you know, a couple of staff. It just didn't work out for them and for us. But now, or now it's just everything's great. Yeah, I, the last Roger Waters run, I had a mix. I had green buses, Phoenix, and I had black buses, and it worked fine. You know, the, the drivers the drivers get along great. Oh, know? absolutely, yeah, yeah. No, that's I. That's one thing I insist on. Drivers need to be able to work together, not only between companies. Also, obviously, within companies, that's, that's just the main thing. If drivers are not able to work together and be team players, I don't really want them. Yeah. Because they, you know, you know, you know, as a production manager, I can send you the nicest bus with all bells and whistles. If, if the driver's a dick or not really interested in his job or not taking pride in his job and have a great team behind him, it could turn out hell. You know, you, you're not interested in the nicest bus because you get used totally to it in agree. two days. Totally agree. It needs to be a combination and then, and then everything runs smoothly and yeah. the driver is more important than the bus. So we have uh, production managers that request our drivers as lead drivers. And that that's who you get. Cause if you're happy, then you know, three months Roger waters. Thank you very much. Chris ticked off. It's out. Yeah. I don't hear, I don't hear from any of the drivers. Yeah. I don't hear from you other than if I come and see the show. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had incredible success with you guys over the years. I mean, there's, I can't even, nothing even comes to mind of, of, of oh, fuck, I remember that driver. No, I mean, it's just, it's just been successful. So Thank how long you. has it been since uh, the, the Phoenix acquisition? How many years has it been? Has it been five-ish years now? Or no, longer? no, it's been seven longer? or eight. Oh, okay. Is it the eighth year now? <clears throat> yeah. I think I must be the eighth year now. Yeah, and, and so 2020, uh, beginning of the year you 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 launched out of uh, Lebanon Nashville Tennessee with your with your American fleet yep. which is incredibly exciting we touched upon that a little earlier um, so you've got the black double decker buses how many black mm -hmm. double decker buses do you have in, in North America now 
Well, the first, <clears throat> the first round of purchase, we, we said we, we use 20, we, we buy 20 buses. We, had a, uh, we were looking for bus builders <clears throat> and we found a company that was really keen and interested in doing that. But we, it's important, obviously, to us that they are noticeable uh, as beat the street buses, also yeah. from their interiors. But there's some American stuff that needs to be in there. Like you have, you have your bus air, you have your house air. That's not the case in Europe. That's a, com- a combined system in Europe. Then your ice chest, your bigger fridges, stuff that just American clients in America need to have, yeah. want to have. So we had American carpenters come to our shop here in Austria and, and worked with us on our double deckers to see what's important for us in terms of branding, if you like. Um, and then we sent two of our lead carpenters over to America and they worked with the U.S. carpenters for a year now on building the, the double deckers over there. So every bus in North America was, was purchased and built in North America. Nothing came over from Europe. No, the actual shells of the double deckers, they're van holes because uh-huh. there's no American or Canadian bus builder that, that builds double-decker shells. Okay, so the, even so the shells buses. came over. You, you... The shells came over from Europe, but they were specially built for the American built. market. Because American Understood. buses need to have different features, like the windows need to be uh, able to be opened, and, and the generators, bumpers are different, lights are different. So it is an American shell built for the American market. Okay. So how, what's, so if you had a, a European one and, a, and an American one parked side by side, uh, would it be hugely noticeable for me to walk on one and then walk on the other? Or, 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 or are, they, are they similar, as you were saying, Beat the Street brand earlier? I mean, would yeah, I, if, I, if, is it noticeable as a Beat the Street bus? If you walk in a uh, European bus, you notice immediately it's a Beat the Street bus. And yep. it, that's the same on, on, on the American buses. You walk okay, in and cool. you notice it's, it's a Beat the Street bus. Right. You'll see the, the face looks a bit different. The out here um, on the American buses, they're a different make. Then we have generators, obviously, on the American buses now where we needed to find space. Then the, the, the house air, which on the Prevos are on top with your air conditioning pots. Mm-hmm. We can't do that on the double deckers because then we're too high. Too high, yeah. Uh, so we had to find alternatives where to fit the house air that works off a generator and off a, off a um, landline which is a different power in the US than it is over here. So there were a few technical issues and challenges that we uh, have sorted out. Um, we have enough time now to sort them out. <laughs> so, so let's talk about the height. Uh, you know, Tim King, who, who mm-hmm. runs your US operation, he used, mm-hmm. to, be in, used to be in the UK. Um, I think I had a conversation with him and, and I said, well, how much research have you done as far as getting to venues and, and uh, worried about height? He said there was only one venue of all the research they've done that the bus could have difficulty getting to. And it was Jones Beach in Long Island because of, you know, it's, it's a pretty remote place. And there was probably a low bridge or something. Um, is the, is, if, if, first of all, is that true? And secondly, have you, have you in your research, is there any other venues you think you'll have trouble getting to? See, it is 
just wrong. People think double deckers are just too high for certain things. Well, they're not because you they're not higher than your trucks, right? So if you a can truck get, can get trucks, there, a bus can get there, then the double decker can get there because it's the same height. Plus, on or we can lower for a short period of time on a very slow speed. We can lower the bus, let the air out. Yeah. So so. There are issues on the Lincoln Tunnel, but then the trucks have those issues, and some of the pre-rolls with the air conditioning units on the roof can't go through the Lincoln Tunnel either. So they just need to take the long way around, which apparently is forty-five minutes. Yeah, George Washington there. Bridge kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's fine. So it's okay, so all the panic a, that you can't get buses to your venues. Well, then you can't get your trucks to the venues either, <laughs> which is a bigger problem, I think. <laughs> I, I think so, and I think that's that's probably about right. Uh, how, how exciting. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, you were just saying earlier that, you know, you've got plenty of time to sort things out. What, what's the company doing now? Are, are you, are you able to get any work with your buses uh, outside of rock and roll? What are you, what are you doing to, what are you doing? Well, at first it was a real shock, obviously, like for everybody, we didn't yeah. think, you know, this, this beast would turn out as it did. Um, <clears throat> so mid-March, all of a sudden we had an excellent start of the year um in the uk in austria and you know we had bookings in the us we just couldn't build them fast enough so and by mid-march as you know everything got cancelled pulled postponed and all the buses came back to the yard and we chris we never have a situation like this because even over christmas you have two or three buses working so it yeah. has never been before that all the buses have been back to the home base at the same time altogether. Well, 2020 it is. Um, we pick up little bits of work, you know, for one bus there and another bus there, but it's, it's three days here, which, which I just came back driving myself actually to do uh, a little bit on the Formula One with uh, the crew of, Red, of the Red Bull team. We did uh, a little bit for Ferrari on the Formula One, but it's three days there, four days there. So it's, it's not like you have 10 buses on a three-month tour. Right, right. right. Uh, we did some private travel <clears throat> uh, of some uh, rock and pop stars, private holidays, you know, drive, drive, picking them up from their homes and, and getting them out to a resort, park up for a couple of days and then drive them home. But it's not really, it's not business. You can pay the phone bill yeah. at the end of the year. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what you're doing. But we, it was a shock for me in the beginning and, and, I never, you know, I'm not a spreadsheet guy, but I have people in the in the office that I totally, totally trust, and they deal with the spreadsheets. Uh, they answer the questions that I have, so I'm not looking on the figures every day. Um, I know, yeah, yeah, we do well, that's fine, and then at the end of the year, you 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 take days and analyzes and stuff like this. So, and this time, I really had to get involved because obviously it was extremely important to know how long do we survive with no business and um, you can't, you can't just lay off people that, that fight the frontier line for you all, right. all year round people right. that build that company with you. You just can't turn around and say, well, I need to lay you off. So <clears throat> that was one of the main aims that we don't need to let, let people go. And um, so we worked out how long we could carry on and how much, Everybody needs to chip in from wages as well and cut down wages a little bit so we can keep everybody on. 
Um, <clears throat> but then the, the governments came with solutions and help. Uh, England was fantastic, I have to say. I like to take the piss at England, you know, every now and then. Uh, but in this situation, the government in my eyes was fantastic. And for companies that didn't want to lay off any people, they gave great supports. Of course, you had to chip in as a company as well, but they yeah. supported you financially and made it easier for you to keep all the people on. So did Austria. So that's fine. <clears throat> we battled through. Um, nobody's going to make any big investments from, from any of the, yeah. of the drivers or office staff this year. Neither, neither do we. But we just decided we can't we shit on doing anything else. We just suck doing anything else. Yeah. So we can't yeah. do anything else. So we need to battle through and right. and eventually we rolled from city to city again. Yeah. Well, you're you're just you're you're in the same position that, you know a video company is or a sound Absolutely. company. You've got you've got creditors. You know you've got to you've got to you know pay for the money you've borrowed. So let, let's 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 talk about you know what you do with a bus these days. How, how long you buy a bus? You you, yeah. you kit it out. You put it on the road. How, how long do you keep a bus for? Well, it it really depends a lot a lot how many drivers it had, and also what clients. So we you can have a bus. You do the interior. It's brand new. You send the bus out. If it, had, if it has one driver for its career, a driver that takes pride in his work, looks after the bus, is on good tours. Um, we usually run it seven or eight years. Okay. Then we rip everything out completely, like it come, came from the factory, so it stands there again as empty shell. We uh, go really deep into bodywork, um, paint shop, do everything new put in a new interior and <clears throat> then we get a, we get another five or six years out of it. And then we oh, sell okay. it. Okay. Okay. So a bus can be like the oldest bus in your fleet now is what? 10, 11 years old, 12 years. Yeah. Old? 12 years. We sell them off okay. by 12 years. Normally if, if you have a brand new bus and for some, for some reasons in the first five years, it had three drivers that maybe didn't really look after the vehicle as they should have done. Then you need to, do this process not with seven years but with five years maybe yeah. and then you run it another five years and then you sell it off with 10 years you know it, it really really depends and what, what do you what do you sell them i mean how do you how do you how do you who buys and beat the street bus an old one well there's Just there's small smaller companies? companies that that um, do smaller bands uh they like to buy our buses because they know they're well serviced because we we let them etc will get serviced at the Cetra garage and the Van Hool will get serviced at a Van Hool garage. Right. So <clears throat> people know that. People know our buses are looked after. Um, do you strip so, the logos off first before you sell it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do the logo. We put the logos off. Um, but you know, if you sell this onto a smaller company, that smaller company will tell their clients that it's an XP to street bus. And, and we know that and the companies are open about it. And I guess it's fair to a point. It's a selling point which yeah, yeah. is a compliment to us as well. Uh, but is we the, let them pay for that too. Yeah. Are the they hard to sell? No, no. No, we've not been struggling. So we, we're selling, we built uh, between both companies, Phoenix and, and Beat the Street, we build uh, 12 new buses every year. And we, we try to sell 
pretty much. So between eight and 12, we sell every year as well. Okay. So you, you know where you like to see your fleet at, 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 at uh, you know, the number of buses you want. In yeah. We are, we are, you know, plus we are at a hundred now, 104. So plus minus 10, that's, that's a fleet that is manageable. That's a fleet you can find great drivers for. That's a fleet where you can keep the great drivers and buses busy. Because right. look, in June, July, and August, I could run 200 buses. Wow. But, uh, you know, what do you do in January, February, March? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So, no, 100 is a healthy, a healthy figure for us. That, that 110, 90, oh, between, between that uh, line. I hate lines. missing out on a bus. I mean, what happens when I know I'm going to a European tour and I get the dates or, or if I'm alerted that, hey, we're going to go to Europe, you are my first call thank you get that bus uh, on the board you know get it you know because you the, the searching for a bus in europe if you wait too long and it, it can be a real struggle yeah. you know especially with all the festivals going on you know yeah. you have you know if, if you're if you wait two months before your date start you're you're, you're not going to find a bus and if you do it's going to be <laughs> An old street bus provided by somebody else. Yeah. In June, July, and August, you know, the festival circuit, loads of American bands come over exactly the same time. Yeah. They do four weeks, six weeks, you know, collect the big guarantees at the festivals um, and go home again. So this is exactly the time uh, buses become a shortage. Um, And around March and April, we do have sleepless nights in the office because we know we're fully booked, but we also know somebody that uses us regularly since 25 years will pick up a job and call us and we'll need five buses. Yeah. And then I just can't say no, I can't, you know, if you call me and, and there's, there's other clients that I, we have the same relationship and they've been loyal for us for so many years from when we were small, uh, to now, you just need to service them. You just need to. Yeah. Well, I don't um, ever want to put you in that position where, where, where uh, you I, know, want, I want my want my bus reserved. Sure. And I want it early. And, you know? and and that's why we need to make it work. Yeah. So and and sometimes you know March and April, you have sleepless nights, and and you, when you turn around, say, oh fuck, I, I don't have Chris Kensey colored either yet. How many? I don't know. May I have three for him, but he needs six. Ah, oh, fuck. Something will happen. We'll work yeah, it out. Yeah, and then yeah, you yeah, go yeah. back to sleep. And then, but it, it always works out. It always works out. It always falls into place somehow. Yeah. Did, uh, looking back at the, uh, the American branch, um, do you see that growing much? What do you say? You have oh, 25 oh, buses? Yes. Because yeah. you, I mean, you've got double deckers and you've, and you've invested in single deckers, haven't you, yeah. in North America? Yeah, well, we, what what are you what have you done in the single decker wise? Well, we have we have purchased twenty brand new shells double deckers van hulls, and we bought one um, van hull seated bus from Facebook <laughs> in California nice. as a prototype. That's the first bus we did all our tests on and 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 kitted it out and, and worked on that. But it's now a finished tour bus as well and you wouldn't see the difference but it's nine years old already seven years no nine years now um so we keep this as, as a kind of spare but no doubt in the summer months it will be working yeah, of um, course. 
Uh, and then same as we have in Europe, people were phoning up and say, yeah, I need three double deckers from a crew. And then my band, they're six or they were eight. Um, I need a single decker. Um, and so we, that wasn't in the plan in the beginning, but then two months into building and, and taking bookings, we just thought, well, we just need some prevos too. Um, yeah, so we bought some prevos. <laughs> and do you have, has your ethos with the prevos been more beat the street or, or more traditional American tour bus? No, yeah. no. I mean, with a layout, you pretty much, I mean, you can change little things, but you know where the bunks go pretty much. Yeah. Um, but you, you go on, on one of our prevos and you know it's a beat the street bus too. Nice. So, so the, the beat the street interior image, if you like, is there. Can you explain yeah. that? I mean, I'm, I'm, I can't even envision what, what, what is like your defining feature of a beat the street bus? What is uh, well, something that- you our, our lounges, our sofas, they have a certain design, if you like, and they're the same on every bus. You know, the, the color scheme changes, but the design of the actual couch is the same on every mm. bus. Uh, High so craftsmanship, see- good, good, really, really great taste. You know, the aesthetic is, is exceptional. Hmm. You know, it's, it's so really American you know, uh, amenities with European style. So yeah. that could be my yeah. slogan. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. Your new slogan, <laughs> beat the street. Our, our toilets flush. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, yeah, just, I'm just kind of curious because I mean, you know, big miles just out of curiosity after 12 years, when you retire a bus, a brand new bus, I mean, how many kilometers are uh, on a bus typically when you, uh, put it out the pasture it varies i would say between 1.3 million to 1.5 million kilometers on a european or english bus yeah wow okay. america i couldn't tell you yet because we're not there yet <laughs> those big diesel engines yeah oh in north america obviously you know anybody who's a production manager or tour manager or bus or truck vendor knows that you know there's new rules and regulations um you know, whether you welcome them or whether you hate them, it doesn't matter. We, we have to deal with this now. And where are you finding drivers now in North America? When, when you know, a year from now, when I've got six crew coaches and I need to go, you know, Salt Lake to Chicago or whatever, and I don't want to stop along the way, um, or have you, are you gathering a good bunch of drivers now? Or, or? Well, this is, this was... I mean, dealing with clients, I mean, you mentioned Tim King before. Tim King was running uh, our UK side for the last 16 years. And him and his wife volunteered when we first talked about going to America where everybody goes, you fucking... They, they do over on the grenade, right? <laughs> what, what you, why do you want to do this? Well, well, but it's exciting on the other hand. Yeah, yeah. So they volunteered to go to America and, and, be, and be like uh, the managing directors, if you like. We don't really carry those titles, uh, but yeah, look after the business side of it. But Tim was known by clients in for running the the UK side. Yeah, and um, we met John Aiken a couple of times on on various conferences, and we just you know we just liked each other straight away. You know, we 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 became friends, and uh, there was no you know he was the face of senators. Everybody loved John. Yeah. He's a marathon runner. He came to Europe and ran through marathons. He even talked me into running two marathons with him. And really? I'm not exactly built for marathons. 
um, we became friends. We just became friends. And he, one day he said, uh, you know, I'm, I, I need to retire. You know, I had a great life. I had a great career at Senators. Um, they looked after me. I could do what I wanted there. I ran the company. I, I dealt with the clients. I did the quotes. They let me, let me do what I want to do. And, and my, my life is complete, basically. And I want some time off. I need to enjoy the money I made. Um, <clears throat> which was a, a sad day, really, because... You know, sometimes when you're stuck, and I'm sure that's where production manager, tour managers too, you just phone a, a friend who's in the same position or you say, look, what would you do? Or did you get the same answer email about this situation, stuff like this? And I missed that. I really missed that. Um, so he was re he couldn't believe it when we told him that we would, we would set up with double deckers and, um, uh, he was really excited. He was, how'd you going to do this? And the heights and, and the speed limit. And where'd you get drivers? But you don't, you, you wouldn't get American drivers to sleep on a double deck because all stuff like this. So he got really excited. And uh, it fell into place time-wise that, how's retirement, John? How long are you retired now? Almost a year. How is retirement? Ah, oh, retirement's great. You know, I, I love it. <laughs> I, I go out, I'm, I do the lawn, I, I cut the, the stuff here, I ride my tractors. Okay, okay. And, and one day I just phoned him and said, look, John, let's just pretend all the stuff that you say about retirement is just a lie and you can't wait to get back in a saddle somewhere. How about you get on board for just a couple of years and, and help us to get started in America? And, and he's, he turned it down. He was not really excited in the beginning, but I felt it growing. And then, yeah, it took me about a month to talk him into it. And he said, look, just as I need to get out every time, he, that's where his conditions, you know, he, need, he needs to be able to get out anytime he wanted to. No big paperwork, bullshit, no clauses. Yeah. Um, and uh, yes, then he, then he would get nice. his... And and he doesn't great. have the workload that he had at Senators either. I mean, I would. I would no, I mean, he knew. Yeah. We, he, there, was, there was no, we were nowhere near 100 buses where Senators are or 120. Um, yeah. We had those originally just 20 double deckers. Then obviously the, the Prevos came, came as well. So I wanted him to handpick drivers and not take drivers from Senators not take drivers from hemp hills, not take drivers from night train. You know, we didn't want to show up. I mean, if I imagine an American company will come to Europe and start a branch, you're not really, you, you, you don't really make a lot of friends anyway. Yeah, but then if you start taking somebody's staff, um, you're definitely not making any friends. So that was, that was important for us that we don't, uh, you know, pinch, pinch drivers from somewhere. So now, where do they I come have, from? I have two drivers, uh, one that worked for us here in Austria for 20 years, and he fell in love with an American girl seven years ago, and he moved over to the States. Uh, they got married. A couple of years later, they got divorced, but he stayed in America, and... Um, and uh, became a rigger, but not, not a touring rigger. He moved to Vegas and serviced those chain engines, chain motors for the lighting yeah. rigs. Yeah. 
And, you know, if you come from Austria, where your pay structure is completely different, you're on a retainer, you're insured automatically, you still have a hard time going to America and be self-employed, you know? If you get a job, you get paid well, but... In Ve- how many thousand riggers are in Vegas? And he said that there's so many experienced riggers in Vegas, they get the calls first. When I'm working, I make good money, but I'm not insured. I have no health insurance. We stayed in contact and, and I said, look, do you, we want to start up in America and we need drivers. Um, do you want to hop on board? And he said, I don't even have the American bus license, but let, let me... Let me phone around. So, and that was easy to get to, to trans, transfer the Austrian bus license to American one. He had to do a couple of tests, but within a week, he was all done. And he moved to Tennessee and, and helped building already. And, um, and was our, is our first driver there. And, and the plan was to then train up other drivers. I mean, we don't sleep on the buses in America. They get hotel rooms too. Yeah. But there's certain things we just want beat the street drivers to do, which is small things like help with the luggage, clean the bus. I mean, clean the bus, empty the trash, you know, stuff like this. And and be proud of it. You know, I mean, all your drivers, they they, they don't begrudgingly clean the bus. They enthusiastically clean the bus, you know. And that's important. You know, it's, 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 it's. You know their gig it's their you know they're proud you know and, mm. and it's and it shows you know absolutely yeah and that's that's extremely important uh and and i'm not you know i don't make compromises when it comes to that and then i have another driver who drove for us 20 years ago for a couple of years and he moved to jersey and got married and and he drove band buses on and off in the states and even band wagons and uh, so I phoned him up and he jumped on board immediately. And he has some, some friends that, um, that are beat the street material, as he calls it. So we built up um, a group of drivers and they were all ready to go. And we had several meetings and trainings and they were all ready to go. And then fucking virus came, <laughs> came around. Yeah, yeah. So, but we we permanently in contact and... Um, and we're ready to go. You know, as soon as as soon as we're allowed to go, we're ready to go. Uh, do you, so do you have twenty five drivers? Yeah, yeah. And and what about team drivers? Let's say you let's say I needed six team drivers. I mean, is that is that? That's that's John's job, but he will cover that. And 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 the option of of bringing drivers over from Europe to America that's that's just not in the cards right now, is it? You don't you don't have well, the ability to pull that off, do you? In the current situation, definitely not, definitely not an option. But for the future, we we want to look into it because if you have a Roger Waters tour that is three months in Europe, and then you go out for four months in the U.S., and I can say, Chris, here's your lead driver, and I know you love him. Uh, and you can have him for your full seven months. That's incredible. That's definitely a selling point, isn't it? Be? Oh, that is amazing. So we're working on that. I've but never there even is, thought of that. There is a visa issue, which is probably the easier one to get solved. But there's also um, a driver's license issue because right. you're only allowed to drive a commercial bus in the U.S. with a license that is only... Um, doable by either citizens or green card holders. Right. So if we bring an Austrian driver or a German driver or an English driver over to the US, 
the visa issue could be solved, but the driver's license issue at the moment, not. Maybe there is a way around it in the future. We will be working on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, for instance, uh, I, I would, I would, if I was taking your drivers over, I mean, I have plenty of Brits or Germans or whomever that would need visas. We can just add your drivers to the mm, yeah. our visa declaration. So, you know, yeah. the, I would look forward to that. And hopefully, hopefully you can make that work. That is incredibly appealing. We like challenges, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's talk of challenges. Uh, what, what comes to mind? If, 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 if myself or listeners or Matt want to hear, what's the first story that comes to mind when it comes to challenges and something you overcame that's, that's not getting shared or to Germany when the road works are closed? I mean, what, do you have the famous story that, that you like to tell at dinner parties and whatnot? What is, what is, <laughs> what is, your, what is your favorite story? That's why industry? I agreed to do this podcast because, I mean, <clears throat> what better stories come from the bus, you know? And yeah. All these <laughs> the best stories are on the bus. Well, challenges for me personally is definitely that I'm not, I'm not a trained businessman and my mind's not, not spreadsheet orientated or uh, money was never a motivation. We do well, don't get me wrong. We do well, but it just fell into place, right? So there's, there's other things that motivate me more than money. Uh, otherwise, we wouldn't have done this. Uh, and there were times like from, from when we started to about the mid, mid 90s, 96, 97, where, where our hired accountants just told me, look, you just need to stop this because they will eventually lock you up because you carry on doing this, you lose more money, you can't pay your bills, it turns into fraud, you need to stop this, get a proper job. Otherwise, you, they will lock you up eventually. So I changed the hired accounts. <laughs> it's, not, it's not really what I wanted to hear. So, but I, I realized that I needed somebody that is business orientated, can deal with spreadsheets, can do calculations, can do uh, win and loss uh, calculations, can tell me, right, if you want to do this, it's going to cost us this much, which means you need to generate this much so we can pay our bills and make a bit of a profit and stuff like this. And luckily, uh, I met this person who is now with us 27 years and uh, runs the financial side of the company. You know, everything, everything that I need uh, to base decisions on, she works out for me and, and is able to present it to me so I understand it as well and I'm able to make decisions. And uh, luckily, we found the same person a couple of years ago at Phoenix. Um, and and uh, Tim now does the same. Tim and Vanessa, his wife, do the same for America in a smaller scale. But eventually, it will be a bigger scale too. Nice. So that's the biggest challenge for me or has been for me to... And all the legal bullshit, you know, all rules, regulations, oh, drivers, be, hours, you're, you're all that crap. Constantly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it changes. It's not that this is what it is. No, it fucking changes all the time. And this is just boring. You know, it doesn't excite me. There's nothing to, it's just boring. Yeah. Um, but you need to, you need to accept it as, as it is part of rock and roll as much as I hate to admit it, but rules and regulations are now part of rock and roll. How stupid does that sound? 
Yeah, you have to hire people that specifically yeah. look at that. I mean, if with upstaging and Trans Am and all, yeah. they have specific people on staff that only focus yeah. on drivers or only we have focus that too, yeah. on you know yeah. r- rules and regulations, just making yeah. sure that everybody's up to yeah. speed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, another thing that I absolutely love that says "Beat the Street" on it is your your livery service in the UK. I love flying into Heathrow and being picked up by a beat the street car and being <laughs> driven where I need to. That's just really wonderful. How did that come together and how, how's that end of the business doing? That was, that was never really planned as such. Um, you know, when you have drivers that have been with you for a long time and, you know, we started really long, we had, young, we had no responsibilities. As I mentioned before, we didn't have families, we didn't have kids. Uh, we didn't have girlfriends or we didn't have a girlfriend, let's put it that way. Um, and then, you know, you meet a girl, you get married, you have kids. And, and I had two drivers that came, told me that they came home after six months and, and, their, and their 12-month-old kid didn't, didn't recognize them as their father. So that obviously broke their hearts and, and you can't go through this. So I, I lost two drivers they came up to me really dedicated through and through beat the street, you know, built it up. Didn't work for other companies before <clears throat> British based drivers. Yep. Um, and one of them got a job from uh, a car service based in Manchester. He got a job offer and got promised loads of stuff and be, be shareholder in a couple of months and, and this, this and the other and yeah and we stayed in contact and then, then we met at conferences again and and i introduced him to clients and he introduced me to some of his new clients and so and then after about a year it didn't it just didn't work out with this other other company and and the drivers didn't read or that particular driver did not really want to admit it as much in the beginning but eventually you know when we had a couple of drinks on a conference it, it just all came bursting out and I said, you know what? We can buy a few fucking cars. A car is a car. <laughs> a car is a car. Yeah, what's different? What's, what's so exciting about a car? Nothing. Yeah. So it's purely down to the guy in the office and, and to the driver. So even more than on the buses, you know, it's yeah, the yeah. guy in the office. He needs to pick up the phone at stupid o'clock um, and he needs to have drivers that are prepared to go the extra mile. And then, yeah, we bought a couple of cars and, and said, see where we go. And then we were really excited because he picked up this Michael Jackson uh, ground transport for this huge Michael Jackson tribute concert in Cardiff, uh, supposedly be to be backed up by the Jackson family and, you know, the biggest stars of the pop world would show up and blah, blah, blah. And we got the contract for the ground transport. Yeah, fantastic. What, what a start, what a start. 80 cars, so we, need to, we needed to hire in people left, right, and center. And it was a big challenge. Uh, we asked for a 10% deposit, which we got straight away. So, you know, but our 90% didn't show up oh, after, no. we, after we did the job. Uh, the job went well but the company folded <laughs> after the Michael Jackson tribute concert and, and owed us 90% of, and there was sub hires that we needed to pay because we, we only paid. had like 10 cars at the time. And, 
Oh no! Yeah. I almost sank you right out the right out the gate. You almost. Oh sank yeah, you. we would. We would. Oh we man, sorry to hear that. Depressed. So, how many cars? We had do you to have take in the bus UK money now? to throw at cars. You know. Yeah. So how many cars do you have in the UK now? Twenty. Twenty. Yeah. So that end of the business is still working. You're still. It's not. It's absolutely profitable since a few years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so 2020. It's you. That is one end of beat the street that is actually working right now. Right, the cars. Uh, no, no, not now. No, not really. The no. pandemic is, is, is snuffed that end as well. No, nobody flies in to do promo. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a few private trips every now and there for, right. and they're based in the UK. So there's more pop stars in the UK than in, there are in Austria. Uh, they work <laughs> a little bit, but it's not, you know, it's not worth mentioning. Well, well nowhere you, near where we should be. Yeah, I know. But, you know, here, boy, we, Matt and I have this conversation with everybody we have on and it, it's, you know, we're, we try to make predictions on when we'll get back to work again. But, you know, every week there's better news on testing, there's mm. better news on therapeutics and there's better news on the vaccine, Yeah, you know, and it's not just one outfit. It's not just one lab coming up with a vaccine. They're coming up all over the place, you know, where, mm. you know, so luckily, you know, our industry is going to get a literally the pun intended shot in the arm that we need, you know? And yeah. I think it's, I think by spring, it's going to be a whole different world. Yeah. You know? Me too. And, Me too. and uh, people, people don't want compromise concerts. They don't want to be at social distance and wear a mask going to a rock show. Do you No, Of course no. not. Or sit in a car no. or whatever, or be in a yeah. bubble. No, you no. know, let's, let's, you know, you know, and, and I've had this, this, this so many different theories, you know, and, and one, I, I talked to, you know, one, a manager of, of, of a band that I worked for recently, and he's like, you know, we need to take our business back. We, should, we can't wait. We need to take our industry back, you know, because otherwise, you know, we're just going to, otherwise it's just time's going to pass and we need to go back to work. So we just need to take it. So uh, I'm encouraged that, you know, people are booking dates for next year. People are, are you know, are, are making plans, you know, mm. set builders are going to start hiring crew back to start building sets. Mm. Um, shops are still gonna are gonna get busy, and and we kind of have to. We're not gonna wait for someone to to you know flash the green light. You know, we, exactly. We, just, we need to we need to just like I said, take our industry back. Yeah, no, you exactly. Know? We we we. I mean, in America, we never stop building, so we have our twenty buses completely ready or twenty five buses. Um, we now start building again in Austria because we have shells here. And we, in, in October, so from 1st of October onwards, everybody's 100% back to work in the garage, in the workshop. Uh, same thing in England. Um, the shells that we ordered, they're here. We need to build them. I'm positive that we will have a vaccine. Maybe it's a bit of wishful thinking as well, but I'm positive we will have a vaccine by the end of the year. Let's yeah. go out and roll from city to city again by late spring. I, would I agree. Say, I agree. Soon. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, the vaccine, I guess the issue is going to be is can we get 300 million doses in North America? Can, can Europe get its 300 million doses? I mean, uh, they're going to, they're going to start coming and they're going to go to the older people and they're going to prioritize people. They're going to get them and eventually we will get ours. And, and I don't think everybody needs to get one for, for, no. for this industry to, you know, for the, for the, vaccine i mean pardon me for the pandemic to be eradicated i think just a, a certain percentage of people need to get it and, and, and i don't know uh i'm looking forward to it but you know we can't wait we can't we can't 
You know, this is too much money riding on it. You know, it's not just the, you know, the young tech that needs to pay his first mortgage. It's, it's, it's the shells that you know, you've got loans out for or the video screens and the PAs and, and the, all the new technology that all these companies have invested in. They owe money on it. Yeah. You know, if we wait too much longer, there, there won't be an industry left. Yeah. So let's take it back. Let's go to work. Let's do things. Is yeah. it, uh, is it, can I reserve buses right now during this podcast for, for next year? <laughs> if you follow it up by an email, absolutely, Chris, you yeah, can. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. Well, we you know, we're with Roger, we're going to get up and running. We're going to rehearse in August and we're going to be on the road in September in North America and, and hopefully go into, you know, the better part of the rest of the year. And, um, like, I'm so excited to be on a, on a beat the street double decker bus so excited and you know what Thank the best you. thing is i don't john aiken can hear me say that now and it's okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah he can't wait you know yeah. he he does he deals with drivers at the moment you know we do our training programs and and he keeps in contact but it's it it's not belting out quotes and 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 ah yeah i need to fly this team driver to here and here stuff yeah. that excites you you know stuff that he's done all his life yeah. uh and loved it uh, on a smaller scale now and help build something up. And yeah, it's an exciting time, mm. you know, in, in, in America, you know, and we'll and, come and, out of it. We'll come out of it. I'm so positive. Absolutely. We will come out of it. We all did get a reality check too, because in our industry, sometimes we are so spoiled compared to people that live a normal quote unquote life. Yeah. Uh, with the money we make, with the lifestyle we live. We get to see places. We get to see biggest rock shows. Um, so I'll just try to see the positive. Of course, we've been lacking financially, and everybody takes a huge hit. Uh, and and for some for some yeah, family fathers one man shows. It's it's dramatic. It is really yeah, dramatic. Yeah. But we will make we will make it up. And uh, if we if we can keep the positive that we made out of this situation, and and carry it into our lives when we are on 110 percent again, which we are 90 percent of of the year, to be honest, everybody is yeah. in this industry, then it could be for the better. Yeah, you never know. I, mean, I, I want to finish with a serious question. Now, you know, since the the pandemic happened and everybody's had to sit back and you know watch their watch their money. Um, Am I going to get stuck on a ski bus now? <laughs> no, no, that'd be so expensive to make road worthy again. I would have to charge you double, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> ski bus, how funny is that? America, I'll show you pictures next time. In America, we had the hockey buses. You know, right. I can remember. I can remember old hockey buses years and years ago. But where the actual bunks would flip down off the wall. Oh yeah, know, I've they, seen they, them. They, yeah, they yeah. Would, yeah, how funny. Yeah. Well, you're, thank you for coming on with us. This has been really fun. And, you know, and you, you've answered a lot of questions I had, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, it's good to talk to you. It's good to see you. And, it, and it's, you know, good to learn a couple of things, you know. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. It was great fun. Great fun, Chris. I, I agree. I agree. Thanks, man. Well, we'll thank uh, you. I, I will be in touch. Lovely. Okay. Thank see you, you, man. I'll see you in 2021. Yeah, you will. No, Take no care. Doubt. No doubt. Cheers. Thanks, Matt. You're welcome. Nice to meet you. you Take be care. good. Bye-bye. Thanks.